0: This episode deals with suicide. If you or someone you know is in need in Canada, call 1 833 456 4566. And in the US, dial 988. You may also like a show about the things you may also like. Things like the Suicide Club. I met Alexandra Wyman last year. She's one half of the Russian sisters a podcast emanating from Colorado. Alexandra had something truly sad happen to her. Her husband committed suicide, leaving behind her and a young son. Now, I'm not sure how one moves forward after that, but telling your story and meeting others who have faced the same sadness is a start. And Alexandra has recently started to open up about it. Why did you ever want to start a podcast?
1: My sister and I would have weekly dinner. And then we'd share a bottle of wine and talk about all the things we wish we could tell more people. And then my husband ended up passing away. We continued our dinner nights and thought, well, we have even more to say now because we've gone through some craziness and we're professionals. And there's a lot of amazing things that can come out of sharing a bottle of wine.
0: Tell me about the relationship you have with your sister because she's a few years older than you. And it can be tough when you're separated by five years because someone's 13 and then at the same time somebody's eight years old and 13-year-olds and eight-year-olds don't have a whole lot in common
1: not at all it's actually kind of funny because we share very different ideas of how our childhood went (laughs) with that five-year difference so i recollect things a little differently we didn't really get along very well when we were younger And then once she went off to college, that's when our we really started to get closer. And when she left for college is when my family, my parents and I moved from the East Coast to Colorado, and she was going to school in DC. So we just started talking pretty regularly and just have a really good relationship. And we have our ups and downs. It is interesting to work with a sister on something like a podcast. And we have different personalities, of course. But overall, we've been able to figure out how to work with each other and manage it and be able to also call each other out. Although even in our adulthood, I feel like it still takes a little bit to be able to do that. But yeah, definitely it wasn't until we were a little older that we started to have a better relationship.
0: Is it possible that you're more millennial and she's more Gen X?
1: So yes and no. So I technically am on the cusp of millennials, but I have found that I, my generation are people born the same year, okay, 82 or 81, we're zennials. So we're half Gen X and half millennial, which totally fits me because half the time I'm like, yeah, I can do some things technologically. And half the time I'm like, please don't ask me to do, I mean, hence why we hired you (laughs) and started working with you. Cause I was like, please don't ask me to try and figure out how to do this. But yes, she's definitely more Gen X than I am.
0: So you mentioned that you would lean on her for a few things, but what are some of the things that she's leaned on you for?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I think in our working relationship, I'll say a little bit of the organizational piece of having a podcast and trying to put things together and finding people to interview because our work schedules are a little different. And during the school year, it's a little bit harder on her in general, in a personal life, I'd say more recently in the last few years, we've relied each other a lot on just growing as people. And I don't know, sometimes people say that just naturally happens after you turn 40. (laughs) But I think just wanting to make the most of the rest of the lives that we have and having that wisdom that we do and so we tend to kind of go back and forth a little bit more on enriching each other in that way, and then trying to bring some of that to our podcast, to our listeners, and to our professional lives as well.
0: Tell me about the Russian part of the Russian sisters.
1: <laughs> right? So we are first generation on our dad's side of the family and second generation on our mom's side of the family. So both sides of our families have very, very enriched historical very interesting stories on how they came to the United States. My mother's family ended up emigrating through China, and my grandmother was actually raised in China. And then our father's side of the family actually went through Europe. So because we're a little weird in that first and second generation American culture, there, there was a blend of we have this really entrenched cultural side to our family, but then we're also trying to go to school and we have little different traditions. Sometimes when we were really little, I think we did kind of the old style Russian calendar for holidays that didn't last very long. So it was a little bit of trying to branch both of those and and figure out kind of our own identity in the midst of two different, very vastly different cultures.
0: I mean, were you some of the kids who came to school with weird food?
1: (laughs) No, maybe sometimes. I think the main thing was like the religious differences. So being Russian Orthodox like our Easter is usually different. Christmas is usually the same, except again, depending on which calendar. But even things like we would wear crosses around our neck and they would look different. And if kids saw it, they would ask. Or our dad being a priest, we usually lived in the house next to the church. So kids would know that that was where we lived. And so it wasn't like we could covertly be rushed. It was already out there. Everyone kind of already already knew who we were based off of that. So we kind of stuck out a little bit more than we really wanted to.
0: I mean, especially growing up in, in the heart of America, there must be some old-school stereotypes about what the former Soviet Union left behind to Americans, and here you are growing up with a, with a Russian heritage. That must have been some weird schoolyard discussions.
1: Definitely. And honestly, it hasn't changed much. I mean, I, I've talked about this a little bit with some of my current neighbors And when they're very vocal about Russians now, but, you know, communists used to get thrown around quite a bit. And it really just comes from a lack of understanding. And I wouldn't say necessarily a lack of education, but maybe some ignorance about the culture and being different. You know, that's one of the things the irony with the United States is trying to be this melting pot and all cultures are welcome, but then it's it's almost like, well, most cultures are welcome as long as you assimilate, but if you look a little different, speak a little different or have a different custom, then, then maybe not
0: so much. Yeah, it's not a very good melting pot, it's more like a, a salad.
1: Yeah, that's what I used to say, it's kind of the toss salad.
0: <laughs> and dad came from one direction and mom came from the other direction and then you all wound up in Colorado. Yes. Have you found the podcast experience so far?
1: I love it. Although I will say sometimes I'm not so sure, and I don't know if other podcasters go through this, but sometimes I get a little nervous after recording and we wanna be as real and raw as possible and just kind of go with the flow and be conversational. So I really enjoy that aspect because sometimes we might plan one thing and another thing comes up and we just run with it. Other times I get a little nervous that the people pleaser starts to come out and I start questioning how people are gonna perceive it. And it's usually at those times when people reach out and they're like, that was hilarious. You know, I really enjoyed that episode. And and then I go, oh okay. But there is a lot more planning and a lot more coordination that comes to it than I think people really realize. And I do hope that we can continue to grow. I mean, we took a break last year and so this was the first, you know, full 12 months that we've been able to be pretty consistent and that's a huge achievement. And we're nearing our hundredth episode, so that's exciting. So I'm I'm really looking forward to continuing and to to grow and to also learn more and grow as as a podcaster as well.
0: Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast for kids flashback. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought I'd love to have a podcast just like this one?
1: You may also like Supports Podcasting 2.0, so feel free to send us a boost if you are listening on a newer podcast app. If you don't have one, you can see a full list of them at newpodcastapps.com.
0: So what is the Russian Sisters about?
1: <laughs> so latest we've been saying is that we're kind of the, the female Seinfeld, where you just we talk a lot about nothing but something at the same time. But we want to make sure that our listeners know they're not alone. So we like to bring basically a a break from the everyday, the daily grind, if you will. There's so much negativity that can be out there right now. And this is kind of to offer a break from all of that, while also providing a sense of comfort and knowing you're not alone. And everyday struggles occur for everybody, because especially this day and age with social media, with technology, it's easy to feel isolated and alone. And we wanted to kind of bring that different perspective in talking about our daily lives.
0: That's an excellent description of your show. And your latest episode has the word boobs in it. <laughs>
1: it does. You never know what you're going to get with us. Don't worry. If you have boobs, you're not alone.
0: You've got a brand new book called The Suicide Club. Why did you write this book?
1: Yes, this is um, it's a huge achievement. I wrote this book because when I mentioned that my husband passed, he actually died by suicide. And I was gifted some some beautiful journals and people were talking to me about prayer. And there's a whole aspect of grief that doesn't really necessarily get taken care of or resolved through just prayer or just journaling. So I wrote a book, I Wish Existed, when I went through my my initial grief process in order to help other people and to know partially, like we've mentioned already, you're not alone. And also you can get through this and When other people are expressing and projecting some of their grief onto you. It's not about you, which is really hard to separate. So I wanted to write a book that could potentially help change the rhetoric around suicide and and bring some comfort to people who have to go through that kind of grief.
0: How long did it take you to compile?
1: A little over a year. And I've always been one to write. So I started writing about four months after my husband passed but really started thinking about putting it together as a book about six to eight months after. And then it took about a year. I would, you know, start, get a lot of momentum and then stop. I'm not, I'm not the best like consistent writer. It just kind of comes in, in waves for me.
0: And what is the writing process for you? Is it a computer? Is it a cup of coffee with a nice view? This is the way I imagine these things when these things get written.
1: (laughs) I think a combination actually I find that something like a cup of coffee and sitting on my back patio looking at the sunset can really inspire me. But when I actually put a lot of my words down, it usually is the computer. But I mean, I had notes and journals. I had voice memos. I, had, you know, I never knew when I would get that inspiration and go, oh, my goodness. And, but when you're in the car on the highway, you can't exactly stop and, and start writing. So any way that I could to hold on to that inspiration... I would, and then try and find time, which is hard with my son is now three and a half, but when, when we started, he was about one and a half. And so it was hard to find that time. So I often had to do it in little bits of time, like 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there.
0: As you look back, what would be the stages of grief that that you've gone through? This is part A, this is part B, and this is part C.
1: (laughs) I wish it was that linear. So That's one of the things that through my process, I'm trying to shift a little bit is that we like things that are linear and create an equation or an algorithm because it creates safety, it creates predictability. And then we're like, okay, good. If I'm in anger, I'll just wait for bargaining and then I'm good. And really what I call those like the depression, anger, bargaining, denial, acceptance, those I, I call just like the emotions of grief. What I found for myself was three phases. And so this was the first phase for me was kind of that acute shock and awe. Like I just went through this crazy shock. I'm not going to remember very much. My, My brain is trying to protect my body and itself. You're kind of going through the motions. You have very limited capacity. And then after that, and it changes for every person, in my opinion, when you can kind of shift from one to the other. But the second phase is kind of the now what. So... Your shock has lifted. And for me, it was like, it was very obvious when my shock lifted. And so then I was faced with okay, he's not walking in the door. And also, I have to go back to work. How do I manage this crazy emotional ride I'm on while I'm also working and trying to survive? And then the third phase that I call is finding collateral beauty. And that's where you can get to a point where you're not necessarily in this full acceptance and and everything is great because grief just kind of hangs out with you anyway, but it's, it's more about being able to find joy again in life and to look forward to things, be able to start planning again and know that the life that you have in front of you can still be really enriched.
0: What's the best thing that you have found in dealing with grief? It could be an object, it could be people place a thing. What is the one thing that you cherish the most about being able to maneuver through grief?
1: gosh well there's two things i'll say that kind of come to mind the first one is that i am completely an evolved person and to see my self-worth grow to see my ability to be grounded where i was much more insecure i just i was forced to have to really face myself and heal and i wouldn't have been able to do that if i hadn't had to go through this process the other thing I'll say though, out of grief, like I like to say, find something to hold on to that's gonna help you just put one foot in front of the other. And there is nothing like my son's giggle. Little kid giggles are probably one of my favorite. And that's been one thing that every time, even from when he, like this all first happened, as soon as I could have a moment like that, I was like, okay, this is how I can keep going.
0: Well, congratulations on the book. And I also want to congratulate you and wish you well for another 100 episodes of The Russian Sisters.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And it was such a pleasure chatting with you. And hopefully we can do it again sometime.
0: Alexandra Wyman's new book is called The Suicide Club. What to do when someone you love chooses death. It's available now and you can use the link in the show notes to order the book. Thanks for listening to You May Also Like. You may also like our website. At you may also like.net. The show is produced by Evan Straminski and built for your ears by everyone at the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.